0: Today's sponsor is Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. Today is also sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is transforming the world of finance for the better. They offer great rate loans and help their members in ways the big banks can't. Visit sofi.com, that's S-O-F-I dot com, to learn more. Terms and conditions apply at sofi.com.
1: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the commanding officer of absolutely nothing, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com recodedecode Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair, it is my privilege to have Ash Carter, the United States Secretary of Defense. Secretary Carter is a physicist by training, a former Harvard University professor who has served under President Bill Clinton in the early 1990s. He was nominated by President Obama to lead the Defense Department in 2014 and has served as the country's 25th secretary for just over a year now. Mr. Secretary, welcome to the show.
1: Good to be here, Thanks Thanks for for having me.
0: You're in Silicon Valley. You've been doing a tour.
1: I am. Third time.
0: Third time, which is the first time you said in the speech was the first time in 20 years that a defense secretary yeah, had been here. I was
1: astonished to find out when I came here shortly after mm-hmm. becoming secretary of defense, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why in a minute, that no secretary of defense had been here in 20 years. And the reason I came out here is the same reason I was astonished. Namely, this is one of the innovative parts of the United sure. States. Innovation is what has made our military the finest in the world. Mm -hmm. Sadly, our world needs that kind of excellence. It's Mm -hmm. a competitive world. And therefore, the link between the Department of Defense and our innovative sector is critical. And historically, it has been there. Uh, It was when I came up as Mm -hmm. a scientist, and I wanted to make sure that that was strong. And what I discovered is that we had to – build, actually rebuild uh, some bridges. So I'm glad I came. And this is now my third time in one year. Nobody's been here for 20 years. You're also kind of a geek
0: too, correct? So you kind of like it. You kind of like it because you're kind of a geek. Oh,
1: I I like it. Well, it's innovative people are so exciting to be with. Young people are exciting to be with. And uh, we need both for defense. We're we're all volunteer force, right? Right, absolutely. We got to get people to want to join us. So
0: you're coming at a tense time. We'll get to that in a second. Well, between Apple and and the US government. But let's talk about what you're doing here now. There's a bunch of announcements that you're making and you're talking about one of the things you said in your speech here was that you want to think outside the five sided box, which is very funny. Um, And you don't really have the luxury of not doing that anymore in the Defense Department, not being more innovative than other countries. Walk me through some of the things, you, the initiatives, you've, the DUIX, the Manufacturing Innovation Institute, and then you're going to be announcing this Defense Department Innovation Board. Yeah,
1: well, we're trying lots of things, right. and the Defense Innovation Unit Experimental (DIUX) established mm-hmm. here in the Valley is a hub for us mm-hmm. to try out various things. Uh, so we'll do some funding out of here, some seed funding. We'll do some connecting of our people who have problems military problems, security problems around the world to the innovative community, see if they can find matches. I mean, quite candidly, we're looking for good people. Mm -hmm. So if we find nice, good people of any age, we're not asking them necessarily to join the military. Mm -hmm. Just come in help us solve a problem for a little while. So there are lots of things that DIX is doing. I've started something called the Defense Digital Service, which mm-hmm. is again led a by way Chris of,
0: Lynch, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Microsoft. Chris Lynch good. and great experienced innovator out here. And he what he does is help me bring in people, again, just to give it a try mm-hmm. or just to give it a year, work on a project. He's doing an, an incredible thing that was all screwed up and that he's Sorted out to connect the Defense Department to veterans. Of course, we owe them something after they've mm-hmm. served for us. And uh, we weren't meeting that obligation. He helped us with that. I'm going to do something that I'm really excited about this week, which is start a Defense Innovation Board okay. to continually advise me and the department mm-hmm. on how to be innovative. Eric Schmidt,
0: mm-hmm. we've heard of him.
1: Alphabet, yeah. yeah. Eric has, and I'm very grateful to him, agreed to be the first chairman of the Defense Innovation Board. What does that
0: mean? I always call him the inevitable Eric Schmidt, but go ahead. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: he's innovative himself. Yes, he is. Uh, He's willing to contribute his time to Mm -hmm. security affairs. and, And I think he recognizes that without security, there's nothing else. People can't do all the other wonderful things that we like. We want to have new ideas new technology new freedoms new capabilities none of that's possible if you don't have security sure and that that doesn't come for free he's willing to spend some of his time And what do you
0: want from him what is your your i want him
1: to get some of the other brightest people and tell me and by the way my successors and my successor successors and so Mm -hmm. forth as secretary of defense how we can better connect to innovation Mm -hmm. make better use of it including changing ourselves because I know I've been around the Defense Department for a long, a long time. time yeah. And the world has changed in some ways faster than we have. And I recognize that. So, one of the things I want to do is look at us in the mirror and say, how can we be a little bit more like what is being successful and competitive? Well, in now you
0: ran world. procurement and back end operations there. I mean, what is the biggest problem when you think of? I mean, Defense Department, I think it was $71.8 billion of research funding. All kinds of, we of different We do
1: a thing. tremendous amount. It's a lot of money. Right. Seven, right. It's $72 billion, I was telling today, is by any standard of any country and any industry, an mm-hmm. enormous amount of money. And we do a lot of really great innovative stuff. At the same time, I feel like we are not fully tapping into the innovative community. And in fact, they tell us that. I mm-hmm. mean, if they're very candid, and that's one of the things we've gotten feedback from from DIUX. actually said, look, we'd like to help you in the government, but you're pretty – ponderous. Mm-hmm. You're bureaucratic. Right. Can't you loosen up, lighten up, speed up? Right, uh, And I, I think we have to do that. Why
0: can't the government do that? I mean, it's obviously been seen in other I, departments. There's no or... good
1: excuse for it. I'm not going to give any excuses mm-hmm. uh, uh, for it. We have to do better and we will. I mean, you do always have to say, Kara, it is the taxpayer's money. Mm-hmm. So it's not our money. So it's not ours to give away. But what the taxpayer wants is efficiency And they want to be the best in the world. And we can't do that if we're slow or stodgy or old-fashioned. So where we are like that, we're not like that everywhere, but where we are like that, we've got to, got to, got to. To uh, change. So, the Defense Innovation Board will help me think that through. We're doing some things that have never been done in the government before. For example, uh, we're going to do a bug bounty in the Office of the Secretary of Defense and invite people, a lot of companies. They want them to hack you. To come and hack Mm -hmm. and see if they can get in. And we'll make sure that's safe and doesn't interrupt our operations. But like companies- don't you want them to interrupt
0: your operations to see what they can do? Well, I
1: want to see whether they can. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies do this Mm -hmm. also. Sure. And in that way, they learn their own vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. essentially for free Mm -hmm. because people are coming to uh, have at them for sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we'll see how secure we are and where we aren't, we'll stop whatever's going on sure. uh, before it has any effect on us. But we'll learn about vulnerabilities that are weather arise. And you're well, going to do
0: a Shark Tank-like thing?
1: I did a, is- I did a, a Shark Tank today with some companies that DIUX brought in, and it was really fascinating for What was the one that me. you
0: thought was interesting?
1: Yeah, I'm sure I wasn't as interesting as the other
0: Ashton mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who does
1: Shark Tank. But at any rate, I tried. But for me, it's a huge amount of fun because there's a company that does – Unmanned surface vehicles, mm-hmm. fascinating, lots yeah. of different applications, mm-hmm. including for security, uh, big data, visualizing mm-hmm. people, security, a drone, a sail technology drone? people.
0: A sail drone, is that correct?
1: Yes, the sail drone was the unmanned surface vehicle, which, which is a tremendous mm-hmm. thing. And you can think of lots of applications that would make for... A better our ability to provide freedom of the seas, which is a big deal for commerce right. and innovation.
0: So when you're trying to make these relationships with Silicon Valley, right now there's a lot of tension, obviously, which we're going to get to next. Are you going to try to be the friendly part of government as opposed to sort of the, the tension? Let's talk very briefly about the tension, then we'll get into it. But are you, are well, you trying to reach out because of the, yeah, I've, I've, the Apple you're, Yeah,
1: you're referencing FBI. the legal case. I, I need to say that right. that's a case that is um, in litigation. It's a law enforcement matter. It's not a defense matter. So I mm-hmm. cannot. But these are
0: issues that are important on to the that. Defense but it, but
1: they are. They're very important issues. And I think one thing I'd say about that case is that we shouldn't let any single case drive a general solution to what is a very complex set mm-hmm. of problems and challenges. And the other thing I'd say is that we, that is the Department of Defense have and share with many companies and many individuals a serious concern about data security mm-hmm. because all of our networks nothing works mm-hmm. without our networks that's how we sure. make ships planes tanks soldiers all talk to one another and so we need good data security and therefore we are on the side absolutely as the whole government is for strong Encryption And the last thing I'd say is that the only way we're going to resolve these issues is in dialogue and have a mm-hmm. close relationship. So I didn't come out here in any connection with that particular case. Right. It's, but you're going to face build a broader facing blowback but when you talk to But those bridges will, right. I think, help us look beyond and above this particular legal case to the general issues, to future technology and help industry and government come to a place where we can you know, meet all of society's needs, which were for both security and freedom and privacy and innovation and uh, protection of intellectual property rights. There are lots of things that sure. we, we So, want. But
0: how did you gauge the mood now since you came out here right now when there, there's a lot of tensions running high?
1: I, hot? I always find a great receptiveness to the idea, first of all, that – government should be innovative. People understand we're, we're trying to work on problems that act matter to human beings in this country and around the world. And people understand that. And remember, these are people in the innovative community who are difference makers. That's their nature. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to do things of consequence. And if you talk to them about a problem like combating terrorism or freedom of the seas or data security... Mm-hmm they like to work on things that really matter and if you show them a way that they can do that in partnership with the government help be part of something bigger than themselves, which is protecting our people and making a better world for our children. I I find that it it excites them. It
0: does. No, certainly. But they are all backing Apple. Most of the companies are backing Apple in this fight. And you can't talk about this particular fight, but they're worried about legislation, which you talked about today, that the the legislation shouldn't be angry or fearful. Yeah,
1: I was talking about the right approach to this general question of data security is partnership between and will be found in partnership between government And industry. And I said, that's the right way. Mm -hmm. And I said, and I mean this, you can think of two wrong ways to solve or to approach this problem. One would be for there to be a law written Mm -hmm. in, as I said, anger or grief Mm -hmm. over an incident or something. That's not likely to be the right outcome. And the other way is to have the rules written by a Russia Mm -hmm. or a China. Remember, these are countries that openly defy all the values that we associate with freedom of speech, a free and open internet. They don't believe in that. And if they write the rules, those rules aren't going to be consistent with the values of the United States or really what I think are the universal values of innovation and freedom.
0: Right. Okay. We'll get back. We'll talk more about that. We're here with the Secretary of Defense Ash Carter. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. A Casper mattress is one of a kind. It's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, come together for better nights and brighter days. And then there's the risk free trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. These mattresses are made in America. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash recode and using the promo code recode. That's casper.com slash R-E-C-O-D-E for those of you who can't spell and use the promo code recode. Terms and conditions apply. We're here with Secretary of Defense Ash Carter, who is a physicist by training and also a professor and somewhat of a geek, as it turns out. And he's here in Silicon Valley visiting one of the welcome government officials here these days. There's a lot of tension between Silicon Valley and the government due to Apple recently. But it's part of a longer game, I think. We we're talking about the idea of where it's all going, because this is one moment in a relationship over encryption. But there's lots of other issues um, that we need to be concerned about. Can you Talk a little bit about, you just started talking about China and Russia and other countries which have a little less respect for free information.
1: Well, yeah, China and Russia are two of the countries that sadly we find ourselves in a competitive Mm -hmm. relationship with today. I wish that weren't so. Including technological. Yes, exactly. And they, among other things, don't respect the information and rights of freedom and Mm -hmm. internet freedom in the way that we aspire to in this Mm -hmm. country, not at all. But we have other problems with both of them, And, and just the short form of it is with China is... The Asia-Pacific region is the one that is will be of most consequence to humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where half of humanity lives, half of the economic activity of the world is out in the Asia-Pacific. And the Asia-Pacific has for 70 years enjoyed peace and stability. Now, why is that? Because there's no NATO there. There's mm-hmm. no structure. Right. And there are lots of animosities that go back a long time. The key to security and stability for decades in Asia and to the Asian miracle that allowed Japan to rise, then South Korea to rise, Taiwan to rise, Southeast Asia to rise, and today China and India. All technological
0: the, powerhouses exactly.
1: too. Exactly. And that has been the pivotal role of the United States, both militarily and as a cultural and technological factor, but for obviously for my responsibilities militarily. Now that's fine, and we've done that not in any way to exclude others, but there's no, and we don't at this point seek to exclude China in any way or to prevent China's rise, but there are certain kinds of behavior by China Mm -hmm. that are very disturbing, not only to us, but to others in the region. Such as? Uh, Well, for example, their activities in the South China Sea, where Mm -hmm. they're going out to places that aren't even really islands and dredging islands, putting up airstrips, making moves to militarize those facilities. And why are they doing that? They're doing that to enforce claims that are disputed over the South China Sea that go back years and years, decades, hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And they're not the only ones, the Philippines, Malaysia, Vietnam. So this is a formula for trouble. And freedom of the seas is incredibly important. That is the artery through which most of the world's commerce flows. So, we, the United States, and, through, and the United States Navy mm-hmm. have long been an anchor of freedom of navigation in that area. And so, we're looking with. So, you're talking with,
0: about analog navigation. There's also issues around technology, uh, the inability to get through technology there or to control technology.
1: Well, yeah, it goes both ways in China. On the one hand, they don't respect intellectual property rights and have been pilfering American intellectual property for quite some time. But they have iron control over their own data security. The Mm -hmm. Great Firewall prevents their citizens from having unfettered access to the internet and mm-hmm. external information. They crack down on anybody who posts uh, dissenting information in China. That's the opposite of the kind of internet world that we started and that we stand for. And of course, Russia has so many of the same uh, problems. and also acts aggressively in places like Ukraine mm-hmm. and now sort of blundering into Syria. And so... Uh, these are countries that the world looks to the United States to make sure that we deter aggression from them and that we check their most undesirable kind of behavior. That's a responsibility so, that we have.
0: You mentioned the creation of the Internet was the Defense Department was. DARPA. DARPA was the place where this was started. DARPA was a place that mm-hmm. was doing a lot of the early seed yeah, yeah. innovation and the seed that stopped in a lot of ways when it was too hard for these startups to really become involved with the Defense Department. How do you get that back, that idea of what DARPA really started? It never
1: stopped entirely, es- mm-hmm. especially at DARPA. Mm-hmm. I think there hasn't been enough of it elsewhere. Dar- mm-hmm. DARPA, thank goodness, mm-hmm. has remained innovative, mostly because it constantly draws people right. from outside, right. inside, and has them. Those are the people who run DARPA, are outsiders who are in for, right, a, for a short a little time. while. But it's going to be very, hard to top the internet. Healthy, it's going to be hard to top healthy, inventing the internet. Uh, like, well, you know, DARPA, I can't talk about everything they're doing. They're doing some pretty exciting Yeah, I know. I heard about the uh,
0: hyperplane or whatever. Uh, excited,
1: uh, they're doing a lot of really exciting stuff right now. But your general point is I'd like to see the rest of the department's innovative system. You mentioned $72 mm-hmm. billion. That's a lot of money. I wish it were all spent as innovatively as DARPA spends. And to your question about. Connecting. Yeah, I think there when I started out in this business Mm -hmm. as a young physicist, it was different. It was a reflex. My mentors had all been part of the World War II effort. Mm -hmm. So it working with the Defense Department was kind of ingrained in them. Mm -hmm. And they gave you the teaching that if you had this special knowledge, you also had a responsibility to your fellow citizens to use it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of an instinct. It, it, today, we just have to recognize the tech community doesn't have as many natural no, ways of connecting. Right. And Why is it? Are I, there
0: too many big defense department, procure, you know, the, the, the bigger companies that you deal with, or is there not inroads? In well,
1: what? One a startup, of the, there's just yeah, no
0: way you'd think yeah, about
1: it. Yeah, I mean, we, look, we appreciate everybody who works in the private sector for defense, because remember, this is not the Soviet Union. We don't mm-hmm. actually build anything in the Pentagon. <laughs> I always tell people, remember, we yeah. don't build anything in here. Right. right. All of our terrific systems are built by private industry. Mm-hmm. And we do have great big companies that work for us. But one of the things we have to guard against is having our suppliers be the ones who are who know how to jump through the government's hoops mm-hmm. rather than those who are the hoops. very best. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so important for us to keep learning where those hoops are and tearing them down. That's another reason why I want to connect to the innovative community here so some of the same things that were evident in a totally different environment when i was a young scientist will be evident to a young scientist Mm -hmm. today on top of which of course we live in a much more globalized and commercialized technology base when the well it's easier
0: to be commercialized it's easier for a small startup to commercialize themselves than work for the government it's almost i don't hear anybody well
1: yeah i wish they were more similar Mm -hmm. so i'd like to be as easy or approaching as easy Mm -hmm. for a young company to want to work for us. But we do have some of them working for us, but we also watch closely and we grab them, grab people from them, try to get them interested in our mission. Maybe they'll start working on our problem. Maybe they'll develop a product that meets one of our needs. The only way to test that is to reach out to them, get to know them, and us to know them, and that's... What's been the attitude wonder? on your
0: visit here? Do they want to like, yes, please, I'd love to work for the Defense Department, or... Mostly they seem to want to make commercial things. I don't
1: think people, I don't think necessarily working for the defense departments or being a government employee or joining the military necessarily is, and that's not necessarily what I'm asking people to do. I am asking them to take an interest in our problems and that that they have to do based on where their heart is. Right. Uh, But if they look around the world and they decide, as I decided as a scientist, that Defending people and giving them security so they could wake up every morning and take their kids to school and go to work safely and then come home and live their lives and dream the dreams. Contributing to that was important and that making a better world was a wonderful thing to be part of and to wake up every morning and be part of something bigger than yourself was was a, a very good feeling yeah, sadly I, if,
0: they'd if rather I, make photo apps i mean unfortunately well uh, yeah
1: so uh, compare uh yeah. what we do to some of the other things mm-hmm. uh that are going on out there how do you want to spend your day how do you want to live the day of your life what do you want to tell your kids right. or your spouse that you did all day
0: probably not that you made a kim kardashian emoji but <laughs> no. let me uh we'll get back in a second with secretary carter in a moment Are you an entrepreneur or startup looking for legal help with your financing, acquisition, or incorporation? If so, then you should consider checking out Walker Corporate Law. Walker Corporate Law is a different kind of law firm. Unlike traditional law firms, they have lawyers with 10 to 25 years of experience, which means that you're getting personal attention from a senior lawyer, not a junior lawyer getting on-the-job training. They also encourage fixed fees because they believe that when lawyers bill by the hour, it rewards inefficiency. So check them out at walkercorporatelaw.com, or you can call the founder, Scott Walker, at 415-979-9999. That's walkercorporatelaw.com, or 415-979-9999. We'd also like to thank SoFi. SoFi is a new kind of company that's about to send shockwaves, hopefully the good kind, through the financial world. They've decided that banks aren't going to fix banking, so they've brought some smart thinking to the table. Unlike big banks, SOFI is progressive, nimble, and innovative. They don't judge their members based on a FICO score. Instead, they look at their potential, and if they show promise, they back them for life. And because SOFI is totally unlike a bank, they can provide services and rates that banks can't. So if you're looking for a financial partner that does a whole lot more than finance, visit SOFI.com. That's S O F I.com. Terms and conditions apply at SOFI.com. We're here with Ash Carter. The Secretary of Defense, and he's in Silicon Valley making friends, trying to make friends (laughs) at a very tense time for Silicon Valley and the government. But at the same time, both sort of need each other. Um, I'm going to read from your speech really quickly. And then I want to talk about where you think weaponry is going, where you think war is going, because it's one of the issues uh, I think that people think about. When someone orders an iPhone, they buy a device that brilliantly harnesses breakthrough technologies that were seeded by DoD and government investments from multi-touch to iOS's Siri. Chances are they order it using the internet that DoD, industry, and academia help create together. The phone gets packaged in Asia, then shipped over an ocean. Our Navy patrols to ensure that shipping goes unimpeded. Its tracked from the start to finish by GPS technology with DoD could not have invented or launched without a robust, innovative private sector. That's a nice way of thinking about it, but it doesn't always work. You know, it doesn't – the idea of, of, of working Well, no, but together. as those
1: examples said, uh, it has. And what I was trying to do was mm-hmm. make vivid mm-hmm. the accomplishments of the connection
0: mm-hmm.
1: that has historically existed between the Defense Department right. and its mission. And one of the things that makes America great, which is its innovative community – And by giving those historic examples, I'm hoping that my audience Mm -hmm. was understanding what I'm trying to do for the future. The
0: next GPS or the next thing. So let's talk about where that's going next and where war and weaponry and defense is going next. Obviously, encryption, there's a lot of cybersecurity, cyber wars, where a lot of Mm -hmm. people feel the next war is going to be fought all over the Internet. Some people are interested in the drone technology and some are disturbed by it. And then there's autonomous vehicles. There's the idea that maybe there don't have to be soldiers. There can be robots and stuff, all kinds of ideas. Where, how do you think about this? Is there a group at the Defense Department that thinks about how war is going to be fought in the next There are.
1: There are. And we think about both our own plans and how mm-hmm. we would respond to hypothetical situations. By the way, I'm going to be doing a war game while I'm out here mm-hmm. with some innovators to ask ourselves exactly that question. How do we respond to, to a hypothetical future situation, in this case a cyber attack? So, we need to be thinking and we need to be investing along those lines. You mentioned cyber. Obviously, people will try to attack
0: our systems us, and infrastructure. Our
1: systems because that's one of our strengths. So, mm-hmm. that's why cyber security, including encryption, are so important to us. But where we have an enemy like ISIL mm-hmm. in Syria in Iraq which is a major preoccupation mine mm-hmm. has to be a major commitment uh, which is to defeat ISIL in Iraq and Syria first and foremost as quickly as possible i'm looking at every possible way that we can accelerate the defeat of ISIL because it's through
0: actions and also cyber actions
1: indeed right. so we are obviously using airstrikes we're using Ground forces mostly Mm -hmm. provided by locals, but it's Mm -hmm. strongly enabled by us, including our own people on the ground. We're equipping, we're training, and so forth. But we're also using cyber tools in Iraq and Syria Mm -hmm. to black out the command and control networks Mm -hmm. of ISIL, to make them wonder and doubt their ability to coordinate their activities. And so we will, I'm confident of this, take back uh, the. Territory that ISIL now occupies from this evil group. Uh, we're combating it everywhere else mm-hmm. around the world, and I'm confident we'll win, but we need to win quickly. And cyber, yes, will be one of the tools, one of many tools do
0: we you use to Do you feel that they have used cyber tools well? I mean, yeah, well, they,
1: they, yeah, they're so not the just first social, media, social media terrorist group. Remember, Al Qaeda was arguably the first internet. Mm-hmm terrorist group, doing mm-hmm. a lot of its research, doing a lot of its communication. But ISIL is the first social media terrorist group. It uses it both to never social recruit media and command group. and control, well, also to terrorize yeah, right, right. because people can watch with mm-hmm. their brutality. And that frightens people and that's the effect they want to have. And so they need to be defeated. They will be defeated there. And that is that is a major day-to-day preoccupation of Is mine. there
0: an initiative the Defense Department could do in that area? Can you push back with social media or is that just kind of PR?
1: Well, we do in the sense that, and we do this with some of our partners in the region who, and it's difficult for Americans to do this because Mm -hmm. we don't live there. Mm -hmm. We're not Muslims. And obviously that's a, part of the ISIL Mm -hmm. propaganda and claims. And the United States government, the United States can't speak authoritatively to that subject. Mm -hmm. So some of that counter-messaging has to be done by the people who live there. And increasingly it is. Increasingly they're standing up. And not only are they fighting back, remember the forces that took Ramadi in Iraq and that will take Mosul are the Iraqis? They're the, that's the Iraqi army, it's the Iraqi security forces. They've gathered themselves up, and with our help, have realized that they need to go defeat ISIL. <laughs> and so, the messaging war against ISIL's ideology, in the end, has to be won. By people on whose people terrain who it is, the war is being fought, and who and who are the immediate victims of this kind of of savagery. But we enable them, we help them, and of course, where we can, we simply deprive ISIL of the ability to communicate. To communicate. Uh, just like if you saw a radio station of theirs, you might bomb it. It's
0: or harder jam though, it. With the internet. Yeah, it's harder. You target with the internet. You can use WhatsApp. You can Use all kinds of things. Last two things I want to talk about. One is space, very briefly, mm-hmm. and then your own practices. I understand you read text books on airplanes. Mark the Andreessen told me that. I've never seen someone as a textbook anymore. Um, yeah. We'll finish up on that. But you also talked about space a little bit. And a lot of the internet companies, Elon Musk's and others are really pushing, Jeff Bezos, and you're seeing him this week, mm-hmm. are pushing into space privately.
1: I, I think that's great. That's another wave of American innovation. Space is something that has traditionally been dominated by the government and mm-hmm. our own applications we do that heavily we depend upon it that's important but where commercial uh, opportunities are found we want to help by the way we want to take advantage of that mm-hmm. and leverage them for our own purposes so having a good relationship as we have had historically between the space innovators and and the Department of Defense really important to us in the future. So I'm glad to see this happen, and I want to be part of it.
0: But you discussed war in space too—the possibility. Of
1: well, that. yeah. Sadly, in addition to using space to keep the peace mm-hmm. and make a better and safer world, there are those who are, and Russia and China, which you mentioned earlier, are among them, uh, and really the principal ones, uh, who are building anti-satellite systems, Mm -hmm. basically to attack uh, satellites and uh, thereby disrupt, uh, but also create a lot of debris in space.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's something you have to be part of, too, presumably, or be involved in at least.
1: Well, we certainly work on the defense of our own satellites Mm -hmm. to make sure that they can evade that kind of attack. Uh, We try to make sure the Russians and the Chinese realize, and this is what deterrence is about, that, hey, there are consequences to attacking the United States. uh, So don't get confused here about the fact that it's in space. And we think through what we would do under various circumstances. But, you know, what we really hope is that we can get countries around the world to agree to some sort of rules of the road up there so that space doesn't become yet another place right so where you can just send up rich people just conflict. send them up exactly
0: there. On, on like Richard Branson trips or something I want to finish up with your own tech practices very briefly you read textbooks are you do you yeah. use technology a lot personally yeah
1: well, I'll tell you what, why textbooks are so and I to be quite honest in the last year as Secretary of Defense yeah, i kind of busy to do any kind of recreational reading but it's absolutely true but right. I think I find textbooks recreational. Okay. And the reason for that is you're learning something. Uh Uh-huh. And the whole reason that book was written Mm -hmm. was to make it accessible to somebody who didn't know anything about it. Right. So you can pick up a book mm-hmm. about a topic you don't know anything about, but you think it would be cool to learn about. Mm-hmm. And in science and technology, there are lots and lots of things. I mean, I know a lot about science and technology, but it's a really balanced yeah, space and you can pick up a book and the whole reason the person wrote the book was for somebody like you. Mm-hmm. And so it's terrific. It's a very efficient way of learning new things.
0: Yeah. So what other tech do you use? And then we'll finish up. What are your favorite technologies? Well,
1: products? I'm really restricted now yeah. as Secretary You're not allowed to do anything. Because, they like, have to put you in a silver bag. I try to be you. extremely careful yeah. uh, there. So, no private know, service I'm really for you, Ash Carter. My, yeah. <laughs> talking to my staff, using paper and so yeah. forth, and that's reasonably Efficient for me, but it's just not possible. So you should
0: use way. a BlackBerry and stuff like that?
1: I really, very rarely very use rarely. any kind of... Wow. Yeah, I really talk to people, talk to people on the phone.
0: Right. On one attached to the wall? Paper is
1: delivered to me. Right. I respond, and it may sound old-fashioned, no. but in today's world, given the sensitivity of some of the sure. kind of information that I use, even though we do have secure networks and so right. on, I generally
0: don't. Try not to use, use anything. What would you anywhere. like to use? What do you look at and you go, oh, I Well,
1: think. in another life, I'd use everything that you use. Yeah, and, uh, obviously makes life easier, but that's not possible for me. In not this possible position.
0: right now. Yeah. When you get out, you're going to need an Amazon Echo or
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. We'll see. Uh, no branding possible. No branding. No branding <laughs> for you.
0: But um, So do you consider yourself uh, technological? I guess you do. I do. Yeah. Um,
1: absolutely. I mean, it's where I started in life, it's one of the windows through which I see things. It's easy for me, quite honestly, to understand mm-hmm. those things. So that helps if I'm looking at what kind of investments we make or where warfare might be going or mm-hmm. what somebody else is doing. Now, it's only one thing. This is a big job. You're managing lots yeah. of people. You're dealing with foreign countries. There are lots of other things you've got to know. And you basically have to teach yourself every day. Because something new is happening every day and every day you're having to uh, adapt. But technology is one thing I don't have to worry about being able to understand.
0: Well, excellent. Any last words for Silicon Valley from you?
1: No, I just, I'm grateful. Uh, Please partner with us in every way, people, technology, investments, Uh, You'll find our problems fascinating. You'll find them richly, deeply rewarding. They're extremely important. And we know, I know, we can't do what we do without the innovative community. And what we do is critically important. It's all about making the world safe for all the other wonderful things that are done by the innovators out here.
0: Great. Thank you. Mr. Secretary, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming by.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews I've done with Mark Andreessen, Hadi Partovi, and Valerie Jarrett, just to name a few. You can find all these interviews and more at recode.net slash decode. And on Recode Replay, you can find my interviews with President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, plus many more. Don't miss our other podcasts like Too Embarrassed to Ask and our newest show, Recode Media with Peter Kafka, which you can subscribe to at iTunes.com slash Recode Media. On that brand new podcast, you can hear Peter interview the New Yorker editor, David Remnick, Yahoo Sports journalist, Adrian Wojnarowski, and the founders of The Skim, Daniel Weisberg and Carly Zakin, with many more big names to come. You can find all our podcasts at recode.net slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. You can hear Peter Kafka this Thursday on Recode Media. I'll be on Too Embarrassed to Ask this Friday with Lauren Good of The Verge, and then back here on Recode Decode on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then.
1: This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by Digital Media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.